Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. I'm happy to be back. Hey, Sarah. Hey. Uh, Let's get started. Will you please like, share, comment, and tell all your friends about the From Beer to the Bible podcast and we always need your support at frombeertothebible.com. And you can also donate as well at hamptonministries.org. Sarah, please kick us off as we always do with the word of God. All right. Today we're coming from Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Mm, I love that. And as we were talking before the show, my wife actually gave me a necklace and a pendant that had that scripture on it when I got out of rehab. And what I take from that is God will help us. He will strengthen us. And he says he will uphold us with his righteous right hand. So that's a pretty big promise for us. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up um, the penance and, you know, wearing our faith Mm -hmm. outward because as soon as I got sober, same thing, you know, I got a special special medal um, and I wear it every day to, you know, just prevent the enemy from coming back into my life and really as a symbol of my faith to show outwardly. And I think that some of those things are very important. Well, that transitions well into what our topic for our show today is how God heals how God heals. I think the most important thing for ourselves and for you out there is to remember that God still heals. And the way God heals, there's primarily three three ways. And that is miraculously, that is naturally, and then that is medically. And most of the time when I would pray to God around an illness or my addiction, I wanted the miraculous healing. I did not want to have the patience and the endurance that, you know, the medical healing or the natural healing. And, And sometimes I think when we pray to God and we ask for healing or help with an addiction or mental health issue, that if he doesn't do it immediately after we pray, we get disappointed and we think that God's not coming. But we have to realize that God works in and through people. He allows doctors, counselors to get all of this wisdom and knowledge. And he wants them to be able to use uh, that with us because we can never forget that sometimes his healing for us comes medically or naturally, not always in the miraculous. Yeah, and that's a big deal because when it comes to addiction, um, if we raised our children correctly or in the church, we expect us to pray it away. And that's really not the case. And um, a lot of us were taught that 
addiction is sin and that's not the case yep. and it's a disease it's a real disease that affects people yep. um, so is mental illness and that's you know we're talking about mental illness this month and that is a real disease yeah um, that people need to get medical professional help with and yeah. i think it's super important to pray um, and have those prayer warriors around you but mm -hmm. sometimes the person that is going through the addiction or going through the mental illness um they don't they they can't access christ the way that you and i can yeah you know because of their mental illness and we need to be patient with those people mm. so while we do need to pray with them and yeah. um maybe they are praying um we also need to realize that medically and professionally there are people that can help them in those endeavors yeah uh, you 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 said it best is we we need to have patience and we need to come alongside them but we have to realize and engage all the resources that are out there and that's one of the reasons we even started the show and ultimately the reason that my wife and i decided to start the ministry because i remember the torment that i saw her go through when i said okay i'm ready to go to rehab and then it takes her two days to try to figure out okay what do i what do i do with them and that shouldn't be the case and i think a lot of times in our culture we we pray but a part of seeking healing is seeking the resources and then agreeing to use the counselors the treatment centers and all the things that are out there that will lead you to the healing process right and then the other thing you 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 talked about is we have to be patient and a lot of times in our on-demand society we want we want to pray we want god to come and we want to be better and trust me when i was going through addiction i wanted that to be my process but that wasn't my process yeah. so i want you to talk about that the process the patience and i'm going to use the word the the bible talks about a lot is perseverance we need perseverance so we need perseverance we need uh patience and then we also need our family to come alongside us in in treatment so if you can kind of unpack that and talk to us about those things yeah well first um you talked about culturally and mm -hmm. culturally um, I was brought up in the faith. I had the foundation of Christ in the yeah. Bible and prayer. Um, so I did know what to do and where to go. Mm -hmm. um, but culturally, my family, you know, is from that era where we just pick up by our bootstraps and we just either pray mm -hmm. or, um, you know, we, we don't ask for help. I mean, yeah. bottom line, we just don't ask for help. So yeah. the first thing wasn't to go and find somebody to help with the addiction yeah it was okay uh we go to aa or go yeah. to a 12-step program we go to the church yeah. um we go to god and i think the most important thing is is that why i started doing this with you and yeah. my where my heart is is that i wanted to bridge the gap between the church and addiction and mental illness mm -hmm. because for me, I went to the church yeah. and they didn't know what to do with me. Yeah. And, you know, I went into the recovery world and they don't necessarily talk about Jesus as much as I grew up talking about Jesus. Yeah. And so for me, that 
that spiritual triangle, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it took all of those things for yep. me to get sober. Yeah. And so ironically, having the foundation of faith in my background, mm -hmm. when I went to treatment, the Bible, the big book, mm -hmm. the treatment providers, it all came together and the light bulb started yep. going off. And I, I connected the dots for the first time in my whole life. Yep. Um, and it was amazing. It was it was such an amazing, miraculous healing for me. Yeah. But it was through all of those different things. It was through me having the foundation. It was by me saying yes to the interventionist to go yeah. to the treatment center. It was those people like you talked about. Every mm -hmm. single person had their part to play in that whole spiritual experience that I had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I want more people to have access to those yep. things. And so that's why we're talking about a lot of these things, um, because some people just know bits and pieces. Yep. But there's a whole there's a whole puzzle that comes together that is amazing and can really lift somebody's bottom and get them the help that they need a lot sooner. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you you talked about was as we go down the path and we realize I'm going to say there's a challenge, there's an issue, there's an addiction. And we say to ourselves, and I know I spent a lot of time struggling with this, is like, why is there something wrong with me? Yeah. What did I do? Is God punishing me for being a, a bad guy? And the truth of it is, is God already punished Jesus for our sins. So there wasn't necessarily anything that God was punishing me for or anything that I did externally or even internally, I have a disease. Yeah. I have a disease. And to be honest with you, when the counselor said that to me, like, this is a disease, I felt so much better. Like, me too. wow, okay, I'm not, I didn't come from God's factory defective, yes. right? Yes. And and so I wanna encourage you guys, don't, don't think that God's punishing you. We live in a fallen world, so there's sin, there's disease, but he already punishes Jesus for all your sins once you accept him as your savior. So talk about that, that kind of feeling like, oh, there's something wrong with me, maybe I'm defective, and then learning that what you were suffering from was actually a disease. Yeah, well, I think we grow up, if we're, especially if we grew up in the faith, we grew up learning and mm -hmm. seeing that Jesus died for our sins on the cross. Yep. And so we talked about this on a prior show. We mm -hmm. don't think we're supposed to suffer. Yeah. But <laughs> it's through Ooh. those sufferings that we go through our own pain yeah. um, like Jesus did. And I yeah. think so many of us don't talk about that. Yeah. We just think Jesus died for our sins. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Nobody explained to me like, no, that doesn't mean you're not going to go through things. It yeah. doesn't mean, you know, and I think that <laughs> Jesus, God, the whole, we, he puts these things into our lives for a reason, yeah. a season, yeah. and for us to be able to see him clearer and yeah. understand him better yeah. and understand his suffering on the cross yeah. better. And so, you know, I grew up very much so with perseverance. I wouldn't say I had a lot of patience, yeah. um, but I learned how to have patience through yeah. this process of recovery. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, I think a lot of us just forget that 
this is the pathway to peace. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that on the show too. And so all of these things just are coming together so beautifully. Um, Hopefully we're sharing it correctly in a way that you can understand, but it is our own experience that, Mm -hmm. you know, because of the foundation, because I went through the suffering, I found Christ Jesus again um, Mm -hmm. in the way that I was supposed to find him. I found perseverance in a way that I understood more so than I did, you know, when I just had the faith. I Mm -hmm. I learned patience in a way that I never knew patience before. I learned learned how patience um, took on a new meaning in that, you know, my parents had patience for me. Our our Heavenly Father has patience for us because he... Watches us, watches us do all these destructive things to ourselves, yeah. knowing what the outcome is going to be. But he allows us to to be able to go through that and really kind of see him through that. Yeah. And I think that's the most amazing piece in this is that once I saw the aha moment um, mm-hmm. and Jesus filled every single aspect of my being yeah. with him, when I surrendered, yeah. that's when the meaning of him on the cross took took on a whole different form mm-hmm. I, through my addiction and through the suffering and i'll just be honest with you guys healing hurts it does hurt now through that healing the the most amazing thing happened i learned about jesus and his nature mm-hmm. his nature not necessarily it aligned of course with the word of god but getting to experience god's goodness getting getting to experience his provision so when i was in treatment i couldn't take care of myself couldn't carry my own food watching him place people in my life to do the things i could not do learning to not be selfish seeing him work that out of me by having to take care of somebody and do everything that i said i would never do i learned about myself internally i learned about god's love and to be honest with you i'm not sure i would have learned about god's nature and surrender to learning about God's nature, his goodness, his long suffering towards us, to put up with us as we do all these destructive things. And I'm not sure I could have learned all of that without my affliction. The Bible talks about it was was good for me that I was afflicted. And I, I learned that lesson and I can say now, although Initially, I was mad at God, like, why would you give me this? Yeah. There had to be something else. But now I'm, I, I'm glad that he did because I learned the power of the Holy Spirit and I learned to surrender my own will and desires to the will and desires of the living God. And I learned to endure. And I had some guys say to me, well, how do you learn to endure? I said, by enduring, right? And you have to have something to endure. And you know, like I know, addiction, mental illness, rarely does the miraculous healing takes place. So then we have to go through the process and through the process, we learn patience. 
Well, yes, I understand that. But the three things that you said were medically, naturally, and miraculously. Yep. And for me, when I saw the puzzle pieces coming together, mm-hmm. um, so medically, we went to treatment and yep. we listened through the doctors, we listened through the therapist. Yep. Um, but the miracle was that we stayed sober, right? Yep. And then everything that came after we got sober. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the beauty of this whole thing is that we're still seeing the miracles today, oh, you know? And yep. so, I mean, that's I think that that is part of his plan was for us to get all the pieces of the puzzle that we see how they all start coming together. We get more indoctrined in our faith. Mm-hmm. We, um, we feel him more with his presence is ever more. We mm-hmm. study more. Um, our sobriety gets better. Yeah. We do a little bit more 12 step. We, we do a little bit more scripture, um, reading and mm-hmm. through all of that, we just get closer and closer and closer. And I think that is, a miracle in and of itself because if you remember where we were in the depths of our destruction yeah. we couldn't even access any <laughs> of that we to if, oh, it's laughable to think back then that we were going to have a podcast talking about jesus Anything. and addiction it really is and yeah. that is a miracle and i yeah. love the fact that i can see all the little miracles throughout the years that he has placed upon me yeah through this whole entire process. And so for any of you out there, just know that he does have a plan and a purpose for you. He has miracles awaiting you. You just have to keep the faith. You have to keep the prayer. You might have to go and surrender to his will and get professional help, but it's all there for us. Yes, it it is all there for us. And my just, a lot of times we pray and then we wait and we say, God, take this away. Mm -hmm. And in all my time in sobriety, I know five people, what I would say where they were uh, miraculously healed, meaning God interceded one day and took their addiction away. I know five people and I've been sober six plus years. And I know five people that have that story. That's all I know. So for everyone else, I I pray that that is your story. But the bulk of what I've seen is a process to the healing. And yes, there are miracles along the way. The, the, I want to talk and shift gears just a little bit because last week I lost a family member, um, to mental health issues. A young man was only 22 years old and we love him and we miss him and i told sarah and i tell anyone with children put your phones up turn off the tvs and find out really truly find out how your children are doing Mm -hmm. and if there is an issue dig till you find it and when you find it find the resources to address the issue I want to remove this, the shame and the stigma of counseling, of addiction help, of being sick, quote unquote, mentally sick or sick from some addiction that although we know these things exist, that people don't always come alongside you and hug you because we're losing too many young people 
to addiction because of now you have fentanyl that just yep. a little too much of that you're out of here yep. you don't get a second chance and we've seen the rise of mental illness due to our kids being out of school shut in and then i just think now kids have so much information and so many distractions coming at them that i'm seeing more kids who are depressed and struggling with mental illness and depression absolutely um the phones they have a lot to do with everything my daughter's yeah. only nine years old and she wants a phone and i'm like no yeah. you're not getting a phone yeah you know she wants her privacy no you're not getting your yeah. privacy and it's yeah. hard to tell a little girl no yeah but you know i know how important it is and how destructive these things can become for yeah. for young kids they're not ready for those things yep. it's almost like putting a loaded gun in their hands it is this is not the answer yeah. yes it's gonna help us quote unquote parent i mean yeah. so so they can be busy yeah but we don't really know what this thing is doing to their yeah. little brains because they're not capable of handling like you said some of the access to the information right. that they are getting the things that they are hearing they don't know what that stuff means and they don't know how to ask the proper questions mm -hmm. and interpret our answers in a way that they can understand yeah we're not equipped to do that either professional counselors probably are yeah. but not every child is seeing a counselor yeah and so all of this stuff is is contributing to the problems that we are facing today yeah. and a lot of it i think also has to do with uh, us as parents we do need to put those phones down ourselves <laughs> yes. yes maybe we can handle it maybe we can't i'm not even sure yeah. if we can but yeah putting that phone down they they see that you're busy on that phone on that computer mm -hmm. they want your attention mm -hmm. and so for us to just take the time to just put those things down and to ask them how they're doing is not asking much of us it's the same thing that christ asked of us mm -hmm. put this stuff down and come to me i yep. will feed you spiritually mm -hmm. and that's what this world needs is to be fed more spiritually yeah and so you know at night i try to take time with my kids every night to pray with them yeah, to talk with them good. a little bit to do a little devotional mm -hmm. to share experience strength and hope that i have gained through um, 12 step recovery through the bible through mm -hmm. my own personal experience to try to do a little bit better mm -hmm. you know than my parents did for me mm -hmm. and so if i can do anything to to kind of help my children and navigate them in yeah. my my horrible experiences through addiction, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way. You know, if I would have known more about this stuff earlier, I, you know, I would have done better. And so yeah. I don't, we don't blame our parents or, but, but we just want you to hear, put those phones down, take a little bit of time, make it a routine. It's five, five to 15 minutes a day yeah. in the evening. Just take that time out and your kids will will see the difference yeah as i as i interact and talk with more young men uh, and i spend my time working with young men i see the value in when we come together and we put our phones aside and sometimes we put them down for 30 minutes sometimes an hour and i see them experience peace that they've never had now in the beginning they're a little fidgety thinking they're missing something right and if we are honest with ourselves even as adults and and having recovered from addiction when i first started to put my phone down and set limits at our house you know 
when we have dinner, the phones go up. Yep. We're actually going to sit there and talk and we want to know how was your day? What's going on in your life? And it's amazing what you can discover, but you gotta be disciplined in having those moments. And the other thing I learned was this phone becomes like a driver of your behavior if you let it, right? Yeah. If you've ever noticed you go out to dinner now, the food comes and everybody pulls out their phone and they take pictures of the food, right? Then the next thing is then they start eating. Sometimes you see grace, sometimes you don't. We should all say grace and thank God for our food. Then after that moment, everyone starts eating and everyone's looking at their phone and I'm saying, what fun is that? Where's yeah. where's the, the, the fellowship in that? And we have to get back to fellowshipping because when you don't fellowship, I don't know what's truly going on with you. You can facade me to death and just, we were talking about it. You know, you ask somebody how they're doing good. Yeah. Well, we live in this sinful world and I've never seen so many people who are doing good. Right. Yeah. And I'm saying this, this isn't real. And I had to start saying to myself, when people ask you how you're doing, tell them the truth. And when you do, you get a reaction of where's my good because you tell them how you're really doing. Yeah, and good is not a feeling. For those of you that don't know, good is not a feeling. So yeah. therefore, next time you reply to somebody, think about not saying good. Yeah. Think about feeling words. I'm sad, I'm mad, I'm angry, yeah. I'm happy, I'm joyful, I'm free. I, You know, those yeah. are feeling words. Yeah. And so people can take that word and you can start a dialogue with mm -hmm. those feeling words. That's different from the dialogue that we usually have with people. It yep. allows us to get deeper. Yep. And when we get deeper, we have more of a connection. Yep. If we have more of a connection, we can share our faith a little bit. And with when we share our faith, we're gonna get spiritually connected. And God mm -hmm. wants us to move that mark just a little bit with every person that we interact with. Yep. And so, you know, if, if you're talking to a non-believer or somebody who believes, you know, a little bit, you're able to have that dialogue and maybe move them a little closer. Mm -hmm. And so all of those are what God wants us to do when we're in communion yep. with him and communion with others. Yep. That's you know, that goes back to the Last Supper, you mm -hmm. know, he he broke bread with people. It's yep. it's not very hard to invite people into your home and break bread with them. Yeah, you don't have to have this big, luxurious yep. meal. And it's about talking and connecting, like you said, and we mm -hmm. need to get back to the basics with that. Yeah. And a part of the healing is you may miss your healing because you're not fellowshipping and you're not taking the step of faith that you need to, to get to the healing process that God has outlined and ordained for you. One of the questions we get a lot and I get a lot is there's this intimidation factor around treatment centers and counselors. So let us try to, you know, pull back the veil on what treatment looks like, what counselors look like, what treatment centers look like, because sometimes I run into guys and they're just, I'm afraid to go. What's it like in there? So, so talk a little bit about, you know, treatment centers and counselors and just a little bit of what's it like so we can remove some of the stigma around that. 
Well, there's many different treatment centers out there depending on what you need, but there is the right treatment center for you yep. and your child, um, your significant other. And so you have to ask lots of questions. Um, I went to treatment. The treatment center that I work for is in the Texas Hill Country. Um, it's beautiful. It's serene. Mm -hmm. It has all the amenities that a hospital would, but it's not in a hospital environment. Yep. The doctors are loving and kind and spiritual, and they want you to get better. Yep. The therapists are loving, kind, spiritual, and probably have been on the same journey as you. Mm -hmm. So they have that experience. So, yeah. you know, right away, that stigma is taken away because they've been where you've been. Yeah. They just have a little bit more education and got their credentialing later to be able to help you yeah. in ways that you don't know how to help yourself. Yeah. And they can access parts of your brain the way that you can't access. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have people that are just showing you how to do the work, whether it's spiritually, whether it's 12-step recovery. Um, there's just, you get back to the basics. You yeah. you get that phone away from you yeah. and you figure out what's at the core of this, this issue, this ism yeah. that I have. I'm not drinking and drugging because I just feel like drinking and drugging and I wanna become an addict or an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm doing it to cover the pain and the shame and the guilt of something else that's yeah. deep within us some of us know what that is and some of us don't yeah some of us have to have those therapists be able to access mm -hmm. that stuff for us and so there are things that our brain naturally forgets about on purpose <laughs> oh, you know yeah. for us to continue going on yeah for survival yeah but that doesn't mean that 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 stuff is not going to come up later on in your life and so when we see addiction and alcoholism um, later on in life, it usually has to do with something that happened to us or some little girl part that wasn't healed within us. Yeah. And so those counselors, I like to say it's like going to summer camp to get your sense of self back because yeah. you're going away for a little bit of a timeout, a little yeah. bit of a break. Yeah. You're going to get that sense of self back, who you were at your core, who mm -hmm. you wanted to be all those years before the drugs and the alcohol came yep. into place. You're able to access, you know, God and, and the Bible and things that you probably forgot about because you were so busy doing other things in life. Mm -hmm. And so you're able to get back to the basics yep. and then take all of that material into your new life because we're born again. You yes. know, a lot of us are born again after treatment and we we have information and tools now and that stuff is not going to ever go away. Like I always tell people whether somebody relapses or not, they're never going to be the same again when they know the information that they were taught in yep. treatment. They're never going to be able to drink and drug the same because they were taught some things in there that they can never forget. Yep. And a lot of people luckily go back to treatment and are ready to hear it a second or a third time. Yep. It's all in timing. Yeah. I, and the treatment center that I went to, I, I had a vision of what this was going to be like, right? And I'm, 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 I'm still tipsy and I'm walking in and I'm telling my wife, I want my own room. That was out. You had a roommate. So immediately I had fellowship and I'm telling my wife, I just want to detox and then I want to get out. That was out. I ended up staying 31 days. But what I loved about the treatment center that I went to is that both my counselors 
were uh, recovered. Mm -hmm. uh, they both had about 30 plus years and they were both chaplains and pastors. So both my counselors were chaplains and pastors, just what I needed. They didn't force the word of God on me, but knowing that they both were believers, I was able to talk to them and they were able to guide me and lead me back to the Lord. And then the people, uh, a lot of times we have this preconceived notion of what an addict, an alcoholic look, looks like. So I'm coming in thinking, oh man, am I going to be safe? I have all these questions and just being honest and real. Yeah. And when I got there, man, these were tremendous people. These were, I, you know, it was, it was 31 days of getting real and being around real authentic people who for the most part were seeking to know God and seeking to relieve this addiction and get healing from this mental insanity and the mental issues that were co-occurring with addiction. And it was a very authentic environment, right? And I think my first maybe 10 days, it was it was a little scary to ask somebody how they were doing. They, they give it to you and you're like, okay, this is very different. So I would say to, to people and even the counseling sessions, let me, let me talk a little bit about that. You can be honest, you can be open because the person on the other side of the table is there to help you heal you. They have the wisdom, the knowledge and the love of people because they want to help you. And that's what I had to realize because I didn't really want to engage that first week. I, I felt like all my stuff, like you said, that I had locked away deep down inside. I was like, I'm never telling anybody. Well, after about two weeks, man, I was happy to just give it all yep. away and, and have someone there to not judge me, to have the, the, the wisdom, the knowledge, to know when to comment, to know just when to listen, and to know, most importantly, when to love on me, because sometimes you're giving away things that you've never really discussed or told anybody. And just to be able to do that. And then at my treatment center, they had us write everything out. And then at a point you had to live and breathe with that. And then you go in the chapel, you pray, and then they come out and the chaplain, you, you set it on fire and you release it. Yep. And that was like one of the best days ever. And so I wanted to give you guys the glimpse of it's safe. The people that you meet on the whole yep. are going to be very good people. And I always say this, addicts, alcoholics, and those who suffer from mental illness, the ones that I've encountered in those environments I always go, Lord, these are, these are outstanding people. It's just that, as my dad said, we, we, we have this disease or we have this issue, right? Doesn't mean that God loves us any less, that God created us differently. We just have this issue. But my God, has he put a ton of resources around us and we must use them. And the i, I kind of want to move into the importance of okay we found our resource we found our process of healing the importance of bringing our family along and the importance of having the family your husband your wife your spouse mom dad whomever you call family support you in your recovery
Yeah, well, addiction and mental illness is um, an isolated disease. And so the people going through it want to be left alone. They want to be isolated. Yeah. So that's why a lot of times we don't know what's going on until yeah. it's too late. And then we're scrambling over here trying to figure out how to get this person help or um, figure out what's going on with this person. Yeah. And so, you know, my daughter, like I said, is nine years old and I've taught her that secrets keep you sick. Mm. Nobody's ever talked about that with yeah. me and so i want her to be able to know that she can come to me for things and she yeah. can talk to me and you know talk to your kids early on don't allow them to go isolate don't yeah. allow them to start lying and manipulating and because that's the start of the whole cycle is that manipulation and we don't want to enable the disease mm -hmm. we don't want to wager with the disease you mm -hmm. got to remember that when you're talking to that person suffering they're in their depths of their disease and yep. you enabling them is not going to help them. Mm -hmm. They do want um, their own private room. They yep. do want to isolate. <laughs> yep. They don't want to go to treatment. They just no. want to go to a three day detox. Yeah. But that is not where the healing begins. No. Because like God made us to be in community. Mm -hmm. He wants us to get out of ourselves. The devil wants to keep us there. Yes. But Jesus wants us in community. He wants us to be vulnerable with mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. And this society teaches us not to be vulnerable. Nope. It teaches us to keep secrets. It teaches us that it's not okay to speak up whenever mm -hmm. we're hurting. Mm -hmm. And that's not okay because that's what gets us to this place in the first place. And yep. for us to try to get out of that is a lot harder. Yeah. So if we can practice these things before it even happens. Um, but I just do want to say, but that is what you're going to get. You're going to get the vulnerability. You are going to be in communion with people yep. and you're going to love it. Yeah. You know, you're going <laughs> to, for the first time, feel like a ton of bricks have been lifted from yes, your shoulders you because you're experiencing people that have gone through the exact same thing that you've yeah. gone through mm -hmm. and they are they are professionals they grew up in the faith mm -hmm. um, and they are, are struggling just like you and together you're going to heal and together you're going to experience the love that you've lost mm -hmm. or that you haven't felt in a long time yeah and you know you're going to have support mm -hmm. and that is what recovery is it's finding community and support and freedom through this whole process whether mm -hmm. you go to treatment whether you go to counseling um do something because all of the things are going to help you become a better person yeah, and our enemy loves to keep us in fear and dread. And and in the Bible, it talks a lot about fear. And it talks about God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And fear in certain parts of the Bible can be translated dread. And what dread does is it keeps us paralyzed. Get this, it keeps us paralyzed and it does not allow us to take a step of faith towards the healing from mental illness or addiction. We can pray, but the currency of the kingdom of God is faith. And we have mm. to, in every circumstance, in every situation, we have to exhibit faith. Faith without works is dead. dead. We yes. don't want to be dead and we do not want to be in dread, not taking the steps of faith to use the resources that our father in heaven has given to us. And as we close out the show, 
I want to get your closing remarks and then I'll uh, close this out. I just love everything that you just said. You brought it home. You know, faith without works is dead. And so take the leap of faith. Say yes. Um, if you're a loved one out there, um, take the steps. Reach out to us. Take the steps to call somebody that you, you might know that has ha had a loved one suffer from mental illness or addiction. There are resources out there, but you have to talk to people. And mm -hmm. our enemy does want us to keep this a secret, whether you are a significant other or the person that needs help he wants us to keep these things a secret and like i said and like i teach my daughter secrets keep you sick yeah. and we do not want to be in that bondage anymore and yeah. so just to to take that next leap of faith whether it's to reach out to us or a friend or a mm -hmm. counselor just do it you know yeah do not hesitate to reach out to us at from beer to the bible.com remember this as we leave you today God can and will heal you. He will do his part if you will do your part. Trust, have faith, and be ready to persevere. And he will help you endure through the power, the counsel, and the advocacy of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, we love you. And remember, there's always love, faith, and hope, and healing in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.